Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. And I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa and by Stuart Weir on the show. This week we talk about the qualifiers for the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations with Algeria, Senegal and South Africa among the teams qualifying with two games to spare and with Namibia causing a huge upset with a win over Cameroon. And we speak to the highly sought-after Nigeria forward Terra Moffi, who decided to stay in France instead of moving to the English Premier League. I know what I wanted and I thought Nice was... The best for me because that project was quite good. They saw the project well to me. That's coming later and also we hear from Liberia captain William Jebor on their Africa Cup of Nations qualifying exit and Stuart looks at the Africans still in the UEFA Champions League. Well, first then, it was an exciting week of qualifiers for the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations, with the third and fourth rounds of group games being played, and with Morocco, Algeria, Senegal, South Africa, Tunisia and Burkina Faso all qualifying, while Liberia went out along with Sao Tome and Madagascar. Egypt beat Malawi 2-0 and 4-0, Mohamed Salah scoring in both games. They look very likely to progress from Group D along with Guinea, who beat Ethiopia home and away. Nabi Keita scoring in the away game for Guinea. And the standout results have to be Guinea-Bissau winning 1-0 away to Nigeria. A massive, massive shock. And Namibia beating Cameroon 2-1. This was a home fixture for Namibia, but it was played in South Africa as Namibia don't have an approved stadium. Namibia are almost certain to qualify for the finals. Also among the big results, the Gambia beat Mali 1-0 in a game played in Morocco. Well, some notable upsets there, Ida. Certainly, Steve, and some of those giants then avenged those upsets, as we saw later with the likes of Nigeria. And let me start with the Super Eagles, actually, because that shock first leg loss to Guinea-Bissau, well, it was their first home loss in six years in the Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers. Super Eagles boss Pesero, well, he blamed it on luck. He said that Nigeria was simply unlucky not to utilize the many, many chances they created. Well, whether it was bad luck or not, the Brazilian must have felt effects of the criticism because he definitely changed things up in the second leg and he made five changes to his starting lineup. So look, it wasn't pretty, but it got things done. You know, it was a 1-0 win and it put them back on top of Group A. Now, another shocker was Namibia beating Cameroon, as you've said there, Steve. And I want to focus on Namibia's Peter Shalulile because his goal against the Indomitable Lions, well, that was his third in this current Afghan qualifying campaign. And that put him just too short of Victor Osimhen and Sadio Mane. You see, Shalulile has brought his amazing form in the PSL to the continental stage, and it's a thing of beauty, Steve. He's currently the lead scorer in the PSL, where he plays for Mamelodi Sundowns. Now, he's got 11 goals there. 
And it's great to hear his name mentioned alongside such high-profile players like Sadio Mane. But look, it will be Namibia's fourth AFCON qualification. Now, they played in 2019 and they exited in the group stage. But I think that this is how a nation improves, you know, slowly, regular participation in a competition that they can actually build on. Look, Steve, very few teams will follow the route that, say, a Madagascar did, you know, going all the way to the quarters in a maiden event. But this gradual, slow buildup, well, it does seem more realistic and more tenable. Yeah, sure. And Peter Shalulile, an absolute Namibia legend of the country's all-time top goalscorer. Well, Liberia is still looking for a third Africa Cup of Nations qualification. They played at the finals in 1996 and in 2002, and it's a long wait for them. They came from 2-0 down to draw 2-2 away to South Africa last week on Friday, but then lost 2-1 at home in Monrovia to Bafana Bafana, meaning they cannot qualify for the finals in Ivory Coast. Here's the Liberia captain, William Jebor, audio from the South Africa Football Association. I can say that uh, if anyone knows my history, I never give up. And I know my team uh, will not give up. We three occasions, we try and we reach to this stage and uh, it didn't happen. But uh, we will come back stronger. We will do it again. We'll keep going until we will get the, 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 the needed result and the objective for which uh, we want to represent Liberia. We will make it happen. It's something hard whenever you anticipate something and you want to have a result and you always uh, keep climbing and you reach to the edge and you can't get over. It's something uh, is heartening for everyone. The players came with everything. And uh, it's not easy, you know, uh, when you're trying to, uh, as a country, to excel. And every time you reach to the peak and, and then uh, you slip a little bit. But we all know the history of this country. Uh, we never gave up. We are people who went through a lot of tough times and we keep coming back all the time. I'm proud of the Liberian people. I'm proud of the coach, the players and everybody. We will not give up, we will come back and we will fight and we will qualify for the African Cup next time. We will work hard, we will come back, we will qualify. Because this feeling is not something that is easy to endure, but we will come back, I promise, by the grace of God. So great disappointment for Liberia. That's their captain, William Jebor, that audio from the South Africa Football Association. And Ida, what else stood out for you in these qualifiers? Well, good to see some of the big names getting on the sheets there. Salah, well, he scored for Egypt. Mares, he got an assist as Algeria continued their 100% record. Steve, the Desert Foxes have already qualified for the 2023 Afghan with two games to spare. Now, what's interesting to me, at least, is the point difference in that group, because on one hand, you have Algeria with 12 points. And then the closest after that is the likes of, you know, Tanzania and Uganda with four points each. So it really does go to show that gulf, you know, that world of difference that exists between some of these teams participating South Africa, well, also pretty surprising, I think, that they only have four points from three games. I mean, look, 
there's still something to play for. So you never know how things might change, at least in the next rounds coming up in June and September. Yes, and sure to be much excitement in those uh, final two rounds of qualifiers. Thanks, Ida. This week on social media, asking which team has impressed you most so far in AFCON qualifying. Uh, so for the latest rounds of games for the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations, we've seen Morocco qualify along with Algeria, Senegal, South Africa, Burkina Faso and Tunisia. Egypt doing well. Guinea-Bissau with a shock 1-0 win away to Nigeria and Namibia with that win over Cameroon and the Gambia doing so well to beat Mali 1-0. That match was played in Morocco. So asking which team has impressed you the most so far in these qualifiers, you can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a comment there. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus 447955232780. That's plus 447955232780. Which team has impressed you the most so far in Africa Cup of Nations? qualifying and the dates for the Africa Cup of Nations finals in Ivory Coast have been announced by the Confederation of African Football. The tournament will kick off on the 13th of January next year, running up to the 11th of February. Still called the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations, but being played in early 2024. Well, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, to our interview with Nigeria and Nice forward Terum Moffi, who featured in the recent AFCON qualifiers for the Super Eagles. Now, Moffi impressed in France with Lorient last season and attracted interest from English Premier League clubs Everton, West Ham, Bournemouth and Southampton. But he chose to stay in French football by joining Nice and he has 15 goals so far this season. He's in sixth place on the top goal scorers chart. Well, the big striker Moffi spoke to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji about his football and also how his faith guided him in his decision to remain in France. He first talked about why he chose to stay there. Obviously, I had some good offers from different clubs in the Premier League, um, Serie A and obviously the La Liga, but I felt like my mind was made up on staying in the League One. So I know everyone wanted me to go to like the bigger leagues, but I know what I wanted and I thought Nice was the best for me because that project was quite good. They saw the project well to me and I felt like this was what I needed. And of course, it was not a smooth start for you. A lot of people were like, oh, um, Terren probably left his boots in Lorient and didn't bring them to Nice. But as soon as you were settled, you were all scoring goals again. How has it been settling in Nice? I mean, I know the, couple, uh, the first couple of games were not as smooth as I wanted. I mean, but that's football. A few players will go to a new club and hit it running. So um, I just had to stay positive and wait for my moments. And obviously my moment came and we're still doing what we do. Have you missed your colleagues at Lorient? Honestly, every day I think about them, to be fair, because these are people who I spent two and a half years with. I know them, they know me. We are a family, so it's like leaving your family, going to a new family. You, you're obviously going to think about them. So, yeah, I miss them a lot. When you look at the Ligon scorers charts, you see your name alongside the likes of Kylian Mbappe, um, all the fantastic players, you know, Folani Balogun, just like you, has broken into that, you know, that chart. How does that make you feel when you know, obviously, that your scoring boots, your scoring goals is making you a big name in French football? 
<laughs> um, in my opinion, I feel like there's still work to be done. Because uh, obviously I'm up there, but yeah, I want to be even higher. So there's still work to be done. I can't sit down and be singing praises to myself or looking at the charts and be happy. So I feel like I still have a lot of work to do. Have you had friends or family who said, oh, tell them that was a mistake. You should have gone to the Premier League. What are you going to do in French League? Um, a couple of friends were like, yo, what are you doing? Like, cause they know, they heard about the, um, specific club from the English Premier League. So they were like, oh, why didn't I go? But when I explained to them my, what I wanted and how I felt at the moment, I mean, they obviously understood me. And to, to those who didn't understand, understand me, well, I know they, <laughs> maybe the farm for their farm. Um, of course. And, um, you're someone who actually, um, take your faith so serious, family, faith, and football for you in that order. Um, how much has believing in God and putting your faith in God has influenced your football so far? As a believer that I, I am, um, there are a lot of decisions I make that, you know, it feels like a voice is telling me this is it. This is what you should do. That's what you should do. People might not understand, but I know what I am talking about. So it's influenced my football career a lot. Is it um, positioning, making decisions? Like, it's really influenced my, my career. How important is your faith to you? And how do you connect to God in terms of using the Bible to speak to God? Um, I mean, the, I have like a key verse in the, in the Bible, which is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When I'm in difficult situations, I I just sit and I read the Bible. I read that verse especially and I feel calm and I feel good. So, yeah. You must be open to play in your first AFCON with Nigeria. How important is it for the team to qualify and do well after the disappointment of the 2021 um, tournament in Cameroon? Um, I think I haven't played in any major competition with Nigeria yet. But I think this should be my first going to the AFCON um, me as an individual and as a team we are working hard and looking forward to to this and we had like a poor run lately not going to the World Cup and obviously the last AFCON so we are trying to make things right for ourselves and for Nigerians too do you feel the anger and the pain of the fans and the disappointment whenever Super Eagles don't fly? Honestly, I know it's difficult for the fans and it's also difficult, <laughs> it's also difficult for us too, but I think we have to work hard and make them proud. That's Nigeria forward Terra Moffi speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Olawashina Okaleji. So playing for Nice in France, interesting to see where he might move to next season. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, and as well as the Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers, the final round of qualifiers for the under-23 Africa Cup of Nations were on this past week or so. Finals taking place in Morocco in June and July, and the top three teams there qualify for the 2024 Paris Olympics. Uh, So making it to the finals, Morocco the hosts, Egypt the holders, uh, also Gabon and Ghana, uh, Mali qualified for a third time and a debut appearances for Congo Brazzaville uh, for Guinea and for Niger who continue their good results at youth level 
So Nigeria missed out. They lost 2-0 to Guinea on aggregate. Disappointing for Zambia, losing 2-0 to Egypt on aggregate with a 0-0 home draw in Dola in the second leg. Congo Brazzaville did well to knock out South Africa on away goals. They drew 1-1 in Johannesburg and 0-0 in Brazzaville. Ghana knocked out Algeria 2-1 on aggregate. Gabon beat Cameroon on penalties after it ended 1-1 on aggregate. And a very notable result was Senegal losing 4-3 to Mali. Senegal won the first leg 3-1 and then Mali took the second leg 3-0. Uh, So now, Senegal's absolute dominance of African titles has been halted. Remember, they are the uh, reigning senior Africa Cup of Nations champions, the under-20 Africa Cup of Nations champions. Uh, They're the Chan champions, and also they hold the title in the AFCON Beach Soccer Championships. All of those titles in the past year or so, but they won't be able to extend that for now. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart on the plans for a regulator for English football and how that could give more power to the fans. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. And our website is planetsport.tv and there on our website you can read our blog, Are We Expecting Too Much of the VAR? Uh, That's on our website, planetsport.tv, and you find that in the blog section. Let's go to social media now. And last week we asked her, was it fair for Crystal Palace to fire manager Patrick Vieira? Uh, There were mixed reactions after the decision, which came after a 12-match winless run. Uh, Palace haven't won a single game this year and are now three points above the relegation zone. Uh, But some feel that Vieira was judged more harshly as one of the few black managers at the top level. So we asked, what do you think? Was it fair for Palace to fire him? We start in Uganda with Michael Elemi, who says it wasn't fair to sack Vieira. Uh, the reason being that Crystal Palace are an average team, which are just there to hold their position in the league, considering the players that they have, says Michael. Uh, Peter Zulu in Zambia says sacking him was not a good move. Belong Baji in the Gambia says the firing of Vieira to me was a lack of patience. And Ikena Chukuemeka says sacking him was the greatest mistake ever. A few people felt that uh, Vieira has been harshly treated as a black manager. Uh, Musa Silla says he's just underrated for being a black man coaching at the highest level. And in Namibia, Alex Buta Westcop says it's racism to me. But on the other hand, Ume Antony in Germany says it was long overdue. Not a win since the start of this year. And you're asking us if sacking Vieira was fair? He needs to be called back and fired again, says Ume. And uh, finally, Jason Momoa says, uh, what are people even saying here? Uh, Should the Palace bosses have waited for him to take the team to relegation before they did something about it? Uh, Which businessman will be investing and not seeing profit and would be happy, says Jason. Well, thanks so much to everybody who got in touch. Always great to hear from you. Uh, Now here on Planet Sport Football Africa, let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK. And uh, Stuart seems like uh, every week on the show uh, we're talking about uh, another manager being fired in the English Premier League. Uh, This time it's Antonio Conte at Spurs. Well, as predicted on the programme last week, Steve, Tottenham Hotspur 
have become the 10th club in the Premier League to change their manager this season. As we said last week, Conte's position became a bit untenable after his rant at the players. You, you recall in their last game, they were 3-1 up and conceded two late goals and Conte had a real go at the players' attitudes and so on. But Conte is one of the most experienced managers in European football. Played for Juventus 250 times, 20 caps for Italy. Then he held nine managerial appointments, including Juventus, Inter Milan, Italy and Chelsea, before being appointed by Tottenham in September 2021. But sadly, he didn't even last two seasons. With Tottenham knocked out of the FA Cup and the Champions League, and in a real battle for the fourth Champions League place for next season, it has been a disappointing year for the club, and Conte might be judged to have failed. I know it's the modern way, Steve, but since leaving Juventus in 2014, Conte has had four jobs, none of them lasting more than two years. So Tottenham have put Conte's long-term assistant, Christian Stellini, in charge until the end of the season with every top manager in the world being listed as a possible long-term replacement. I think we'll talk about this one again. Finally, Steve, I have a question for you. Bayern Munich are currently second in the German league, one point behind Dortmund. They've qualified for the quarterfinals of the Champions League. So, Steve, if you were in charge of the club, what would you do? Well, it's obvious, isn't it? You'd fire the manager, Julian Nagelsmann. I mean, it hardly seems credible that a manager who could have delivered the German league title, possibly a Champions League, has been fired in the middle of the season. So it's not just an English mad problem. And incidentally, Nagelmann's replacement at Bayern is Thomas Tuchel. Remember him? Fired by PSG? Fired by Chelsea for failing? But apparently he is the man to lead Bayern to the promised land. The world of football club management's a strange one. You could even say crazy. And Steve, I wouldn't bet against Nagelmann turning up at Tottenham or even Chelsea before next season begins. Yeah, crazy indeed. And indeed, high standards at Bayern Munich always expected. So we'll see what happens there. And uh, Stuart, we're at the quarterfinal stage of the UEFA Champions League and lots to talk about and catch up on there. Yeah, we now know that the last eight of the Champions League are three from Italy, two from England and one each from Spain, Portugal and Germany. And it's not just three clubs from Italy, it's two from Milan. The way the draw has turned out is really intriguing, particularly as the draw for the semi-final as well as the quarter-final has already been made. AC Milan play Napoli, while Inter Milan play Benfica arguably the weakest team still involved, and the winners play each other in the semi-final. That makes it almost certain that one Italian club will go into the final. Going by league form, you would say Napoli, who have a 19-point lead at the top of the table. But, of course, this is a cup competition, so don't rule the others out. The two English clubs couldn't meet in the other semi-final. But you'd have to be a super optimist to see that happening, with Chelsea having to play Real Madrid and Manchester City against Bayern Munich. Both English clubs are pretty tough opponents. Now, Steve, on my count, there are about 14.
19 players from Africa still involved in the Champions League. Chelsea have got Koulibaly, Ziyech, Aubameyang, but he has not played in the Champions League since November, and Edward Mende, but he's injured and out of favour and really not playing at the moment. Manchester City have Riyad Mahrez. Napoli have Andre Frank Zambo and Guisa from Cameroon, and Victor Osimen from Nigeria. Milan have got three African players, Fodi Balotori from Senegal, Ismail Benasser, Algeria, and Brahim from Morocco. Inter Milan have Andre Onana from Cameroon, and Bayern have three players, Sergio Mane, but for all his success at Liverpool, he's struggled a bit at Bayern and has not played 90 minutes since October. And then there's Eric Chopomuting. He also usually starts, but is then subbed. And we've got Nasser Mazraoui from Morocco, who is an occasional sub. So, quite a lot of African interest. Uh, the quarterfinals are in the middle of April, starting on the 11th. The semifinals are in May. And the final, not until the 10th of June. Very late, of course, because of the World Cup break in December. Yes, uh, late indeed. And, uh, Stuart, an interesting development a few weeks ago that we didn't have time to talk about is an independent regulator being proposed for English football uh, to see that clubs are run sustainably. Um, Tell us more about this one. Well, the UK government has issued proposals for the appointment of an independent football regulator. The purpose, in the government's words, is to make sure that English football remains sustainable and competitive. Last season, Bury, an English football league club, went bankrupt and went out of existence, devastating the town and community. And what frustrated a lot of people was that the amount of money needed to save the club was about the wages of one Premier League player for a month. Some of the main proposals are that clubs would need to be licensed by the government and would have to meet certain financial criteria aimed at demonstrating sound financial business models and good governance. And new owners of Premier League clubs would have to meet more stringent tests of suitability than at present. There would be a code for football club governance which would require club boards to take into account equality, diversity, fan engagement, welfare and stewardship and greater powers for fans of the clubs, with fans potentially having the right to veto changes to the club's heritage, for example, changing the name or moving the stadium to a different location. And actually, I read a report that the new Chelsea American owners want to build a new stadium in a different part of London. The supporters will not be able to stop them, but under the new rules, they might be able to do so. And of course, in Germany, for example... Fans have much more say in how a club is run than in England. So a move in that direction would be very welcome. I mean, take the the Glazers, owners of Manchester United. They're often heavily criticised for treating the club as a business, wanting to make money out of it and not caring a great deal about what happens on the field. The regulator would also controversially have the right to stop clubs joining breakaway competitions, such as the ill-fated proposed European Super League, 
and also the proportion of the Premier League's TV income, which is shared with the lower divisions of English football, you know, the Championship and below, would increase. FIFA, interestingly, has responded to the government announcement by saying that they will not allow any political interference in football. And we have to stress that at this stage this is just a proposal that has not yet gone through Parliament. But I think it's fair to say that there's been a very cautious welcome from fans for the government proposals and particularly giving them more power. Well, very interesting. We'll see how this one develops. I'm sure many fans will be in favour of this regulator for English football. So after the international break last weekend, back to the English Premier League and Man City-Liverpool on Saturday, the big game, Stuart. That is the big game, but of course you don't quite know how good Liverpool are at the moment because they've been a bit up and down. But really big game, and particularly with Arsenal at home to Leeds, where they should win that, it's important for Manchester City to get a win to keep their momentum going. And a big question, of course, is... Some players will have played two competitive games for their country and they may come back tired or with an injury. Then another intriguing game at the top is Newcastle United at home to Manchester United, both fighting for third or fourth place and the Champions League qualification, a vital game for both clubs. And then at the bottom, we've got Crystal Palace at home to Leicester, Nottingham Forest at home to Wolves, West Ham playing Southampton, with all six clubs desperate for points for survival. Indeed, should be an exciting weekend in the English Premier League. I'm looking forward to the Man City-Liverpool match on Saturday. Well, thanks a lot, Stuart. Uh, That's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa and from Stuart Weir, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.